0: You guys doing good? All right, take a seat. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, if I haven't met you, my name's Doug. I'd love to meet you, and we are just so honored that you would join us for church, and welcome to Red Rocks Austin. We are imperfect people pursuing a perfect God, and and uh, the Holy Spirit is here in this room right now. I can feel it, and uh, he's in the business of life change and life transformation, and and, uh, man, I, I, almost to the point where I'm like, if we walk out of here tonight unchanged, then we're, we're wasting our time, right? We didn't come here to plant this church just so we could uh, do church and sing some Christian karaoke and give some speeches and high-five each other and go home. Like, that stuff's great, but the spirit of the living God is in this room. And when he's in this room, anything can happen. Are you waiting on heaven or is heaven waiting on you? I believe heaven is in this space right now. And I believe God wants to speak to you. Like, don't let that get lost on you. The creator of everything, there in the beginning, spoke and galaxies came out of his mouth at the speed of light, wants to speak to you today, wants to talk to you today. It's ridiculous. And he's in this place with us right now. And so, Uh, Jesus is back from the dead And anything can happen And I'm just a guy Who just believes that With all my heart And so Hey really quick Next week We are going to start A brand new Three week series Called Modern Jesus And we're going to answer The question Why is this Jewish carpenter Who was born in Palestine 2,000 years ago Applicable to your life And why should you Still follow him today That's a great question If you have friends Who ask that question This is a great series To get them here on uh, Because we're going to Answer it And we're just going to We're going to look to Jesus For three weeks Like not even Not even any practical takeaways Or calls to action Just looking towards Jesus And making him As awesome as he deserves to be made And making him famous And and walking out of here going Wow This Jesus we serve This 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 Fully man Fully God Who divided time And your calendar In half The name by which Grateful people worship and desperate people pray and angry people swear. Um, it's a name that uh, captivates a lot of people and a name that haunts a lot of people. Some people follow him, some people don't, but every soul has been affected by the name Jesus Christ. And he says when you lift his name up, he will draw human beings to himself. And so for three weeks, that's, that's all we're going to do. Modern Jesus, and it's going to be awesome. And so come back for that. Bring friends for that. Today, we are finishing our religion rehab series. Guys, it's week eight that's so crazy like I understand like how attention spans work in 2019 so I just want to give it up for you guys the fact that this is week 8 you're still here and you're still excited and you're paying attention like this is awesome I hope it's been a good series I hope it's been good for your soul Uh, one thing I live by a lot is sometimes the truth that offends your flesh is the very truth that awakens your soul dry bones come alive right Um, He's in the business of doing that, and, and if there's been truth in this series that's done that, I hope it's been good for you. I, I love that feeling, man. You kind of become addicted to abundant life and addicted to Jesus the more and more you experience it, and the more you lay down everything else and trade the world for him the less and less you regret pretty much everything about your life. I promise you that. And let me see if I can do this. So the like seven-week recap, here's the teaser trailer in case you missed any of the weeks. It's all on YouTube or Spotify or, or I, the, the podcast app. It's on all of those, and so go catch up on anything that you missed. But week number one, we just basically made the point that Christianity is a, is a relationship way before it's a religion. Religion says do, but Jesus says Done, right? If we miss that, we miss the heart of God and we miss what we believe completely. And then because of that, week number two, we, had, we, we asked the question, can you believe we get to do this, right? It's more of a, a statement that you yell than a question. Can you believe we get to do this? That In your relationship with God, you actually don't have to, to do anything, guys, because God doesn't need anything from you. You now get to do everything because God wants you. And that's the greatest reality there is, if you will. Receive it and let it sink in. And then week three, we uh, we got a little more serious and started looking inward and began healing. And we talked about the idea that all of our baggage, let's say all of our past hurts and wounds and church hurt and all of that. If it's if those are heavy books in a in a in a suitcase that we carry with us, what would it look like to finally kind of press pause on that, open the suitcase and read them, and then release them so that we can shelf them, so we can get on with our lives whole and healed, with scars and instead of wounds, which took us into week four, where we took ownership of our own souls. We took ownership of that, and we we, we talked about what are the crutches that I have to lay down in my life so I can be healed and be whole, and we made the point that, that your real healing begins in the same place that your real excuses end, in the same spot. And then week five, we we redeem the word repentance. That's one of those uh, cuss words in our culture, right? Like repentance, obedience. Tithe. Like I feel even bad saying that from stage, right? But the reason we feel that is because we need religion rehab and we see it through religion. But when you see it in the context of relationship, repentance is actually the most refreshing thing that you could possibly do for your soul and for your life if you make it a pattern of your life rather than something you do one time in the very beginning when you get saved. It is a it is a daily thing. It's an invitation you say yes to every day. And then week seven was last week, and we we asked the question: hey, why do we worship? And then we answered the question, why do we worship? Because every time you walk into church, worship is always expected but rarely explained, and last week we explained it, and, and those are the first seven weeks, and, and once again, I hope it's given you some like revelation or just a tool to put in your toolbox or a resource or a daily practice to take with you, right? I hope it's, it's been beneficial in some way, shape, or form in your relationship with your heavenly father so you can get on with that relationship as a son or a daughter rather than a slave or an employee. Um, so I hope so. And it takes us to this week right here, to week eight, the final installment of Religion Rehab. And we're going to call this message today, What We Need From You what we need from you. And the heart behind this whole title right here is what does, what does this church need from you? What do you need from you? What do you need from us? What do we need from you? So that 10 years from now, we don't have another religion rehab series, amen? Like I have visions of a church 10 years from now that no longer needs that. I have visions of being a part of a church in a community where even my one-year-old son, Will, he grows up and he doesn't hate the fact that he's a pastor's kid. Right? He just loves Jesus and loves people, loves this community. I believe that's so possible. I believe it's so possible. And so what do we need from you going forward? And so I'm going I'm to pass the ball to you. And by the end of today, the ball will be in your court as far as religion rehab goes. And so what we need from you, God, we love you so much. Holy Spirit, I know that you're here. I pray you'd come awaken souls and dry bones, people who haven't felt your presence in far too long, would you meet them right now? Challenge us. Convict us if you need to. Build us up and encourage us. We love you so much, and we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks, bro. Okay, who has never had a cavity, ever? I want. Let me see you. Okay, like for real, this is... Ryan, you've had a cavity. I swear you have. We are 99.9% genetically the same. You've had a cavity. This is, we're in a church right now. This is the Lord's house, okay? So you really, you swear? You swear on Ethan's life? You've never had a cavity? Why? Just why? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, my wife had her first cavity, babe, just a couple years ago. She was, she was not happy about it because she takes good care of her teeth. Like, Doc, there's a mistake. I don't have a cavity, um, guys. I've had my fair share. Actually, let's do this. Like we value authenticity at this church, so everybody, hold up the amount of cavities that you've had right now. How many? There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Drew, two. Dan, zero. Good for you, man. Good for you. I'm proud of you, guys. Okay, okay, not bad, not bad. Okay, not bad. I've had about that. I, I don't. I, I've had my fair share of cavities, guys. I, uh, I've had my fair share of uh, dental. Stuff. Um, I don't know what the what the word was. Dental stuff. I've had a few cavities. I lost my first tooth when I was eight. When I was eight, guys. I've had braces twice. I've had twenty teeth pulled by the dentist in my years. Okay. So like, I win on who hates the dentist the most. Uh, If there's a competition, I win. Okay. Even if you're like, I can top you. Just don't tell me because this is all I got. Okay. So just give me this. I I win. I win, and, and, and so I always get panicky when I walk into the dentist. Plus, I get nervous because I, I like people, and I just enjoy conversations. I don't like to be rude, and every dental hygienist ever, like when they're working on your teeth, like asks you questions, so what do you do for a living? And you're like, I'd love to respond to you, but there's five sharp weapons in my mouth right now, and so now I feel rude, so thank you. Um, okay, who flosses consistently? Okay, who flosses every day? Every day, for real? Summer, every day? Okay, guys, kudos to you. Can we make some noise really quick for Ethan? Because he actually, he flosses every day. This guy goes nowhere without floss. He is a dentist's dream, right? They have his picture in all the dental books. It's not a great picture, but it's in there, right? It's just why. I'm as, I'm as mad as you about all these jokes, man. Don't worry. I'm as mad as you are. Hey, fun fact Uh, Brushing your teeth Only cleans 70% of each tooth Guess what cleans the other 30% Flossing Flossing Who's like, why are we talking about this in church? When does this preacher preach the word of God? Guys, once again, I'm as mad as you are Trust me, I, I understand I understand, but I just, I care about all of you, mind, body, and soul, and that includes your gums, okay? And like, before we get super deep and theological, sometimes you just gotta come to a church where the pastor will tell you and call you out, hey, stop being a knucklehead, and do what your dentist tells you to do every checkup, and floss your teeth, guys. Go floss your teeth, so let's pray, and then we'll call, I'm kidding. Like, oh, okay, that's the final key to religion rehab, <laughs> is flossing, <laughs> Oh man, every single day. I'm impressed, guys. I'm impressed. Repeat after me. My teeth, my responsibility. responsibility. Okay. A dentist or floss will only do so much. This is ineffective unless you use it. Watch this transition. Repeat after me. My My soul, my responsibility. A religion rehab series can only do so much. It is only effective if you walk out of here and take the tools and resources and revelations that you received and you do something with it, right? It's only effective if you do something. Thank you. That is good. It's really good. It's a great, oh, this is public speaking 101. Write that down, somebody, if you're... And so what do we need, you guys? What do we need to do leaving here so that 10 years from now we don't need another religion rehab series, right? Like you might have a dream of, of, of being healed and being whole and like the picture of the man or woman that you see yourself being one day without baggage, right? Like getting on with my life and I see myself just free, living abundant life. That's a great dream. It's a great dream. However, your dream will not get you to that destination, Your direction is what gets you to that destination. Regardless of your dream and how good it is, apply this to any part of your life. It is your direction and not your intentions that determine the destination that you arrive to. Does that make sense? So like you can get in your car and drive east towards the Atlantic Ocean and you can be like praying and dreaming, oh, I want to go to the Pacific Ocean so bad, It doesn't matter. It's a great dream, but your direction is what determines your destination. And so what determines our direction? If our our direction determines destination, what determines my direction? Your daily decisions, right? Floss once, probably not going to do much. Miss flossing once, probably not going to do much. Add those up over a decade. Add what we do when we walk out of here up over a decade with what we are trying to build here as a community, and it's a big deal. So what do we need from you? Three things. I have three things for you, and you bet you better believe it. They all start with the letter P. You better believe it. So if you're a note taker, you're welcome. I worked hard on this. Here we go. Number one, we need patience for the process so we can stay planted. We need patience for the process so we can stay planted. See, we're having family talk tonight. That's why I even brought my stool and my table up on stage. So you know, family talk. We need patience for the process so we can stay planted. There's even a little tree right here. So good. We, it's not a tree, it's a plant. I was testing you. Good job, guys. Okay, we can, I guess the rest of this will work now. Okay, you guys understand. Good. This is a plant. Okay. Okay. We, as human beings, we exalt the uh, the finished product. We love, like, the destination, right? We make a big deal out of the finished product, but God, we serve a God who makes a big deal out of the work in progress. So, like, we want our destination, our finished product, like, Amazon Prime to us, right? Two days, like, if it comes tomorrow, even better, but not three, right? And unfortunately, we have a God who is all about the process. Like, you've heard the verse... Um, Philippians, I think it's in Philippians 1, he who began the good work in you will be faithful to carry it on to completion. You will be a finished product one day, but just so you know, that's not this side of eternity. Perfection, your destination, is then. In this lifetime, you will always, always be a work in progress, which means we need to have patience for the process, right? So a few years ago, I was flying um, from Sydney to Los Angeles, Fourteen-hour flight. All right, so I board and I sit down in in a window seat, and uh, I'm praying. I'm like, you know, usually I I I love people and I just like to have conversations, but this one, I'm like, God, I'd love to lay down in this row. So if you love me at all, please do not let anybody sit by me. Right, like let me be the lucky one. You love me, like who has his own row, and and sure enough, like everybody's boarding. um, Waving at them, you know, making eye contact, which nobody does on the flight when you pass them. I'm not sure why, but I'm trying, like, you know, and then everybody walks past, and pretty, sh- like pretty soon, I'm like, this is everybody. This is everybody. I'm in the clear. And, uh, and the final two people to board, um, and it, it, was a, uh, it was a very, it's like every seat's full. I don't know how I thought I was going to get away with this, except the two next to me. Um, two uh, very elderly People, a couple, the sweetest couple, sweetest people I've ever met. I still remember the conversation I had. I had with them, but they they came on in wheelchairs because they both had a hard time walking, and it took them a while to sit down in the two seats next to me. And uh, it was a great flight. We had a good conversation. They were so nice, which actually made my situation more difficult because I'm a people pleaser. Because 30 minutes into this 14 hour flight, I had to go to the bathroom so bad. And I ended up holding it for the next 13 and a half hours. Like, eventually your body kind of understands your brain like acknowledges okay we're not going to the bathroom anytime soon so it just kind of shuts down but that's like 10 hours into it that's how long it takes so for 13 and a half hours I'm staring at the screen on the seat in front of me just staring at that stupid little plane graph route thing where it's like this is your journey and you're like it's just blue because we're over the pacific ocean and I'm like we are not moving are we hovering 35 5,000 feet above the abyss? Are we not moving at all? That's what it feels like, right? You have no idea the pain and the patience that that required. We need patience in the process. Patience in the process. This is true of Christianity, you guys, this is true of your journey, of your sanctification, this is true of church planting, this is true of building a community, right, so like even for you, sanctification is the process of God making you more, not like the person you want to be, but the person that you need to be, right, this is the, this is the process, and so if you ever think like, man, I should be farther along in my faith than I am, I should be doing better, I thought by now I'd have less lust and pride and guilt And anger and bitterness in me Just keep leaning in And keep pressing in But whatever you do Do not give up It does not mean something is necessarily wrong God values the process He really does And we all know that Bible verse Like well he'll give me the desires of my heart That's in the Bible and that's true And that's a promise that God says However he does not say I'll give you the desires of your 2019 heart We want that. God's saying, no, you're more sanctified heart. Because how many know your desires change as you mature? I was thinking back to, like, the Christmas lists I used to make when I was a kid. Nerf guns and Legos. And that's it. Nerf guns and Legos. And occasionally I'll throw a Nerf gun or a Lego on my Christmas list now. But now it's like, hey, like, there's not a better Christmas present than socks. So practical. You... I get, like, saved again every time I put on a fresh, like, new pair of socks. You cannot have a bad day with a new pair of socks on. Write that down. That's good. Um, <laughs> like, I, like, when I was 15, I was like, oh, an Escalade with spinners. And now I'm, like, <laughs> now I'm like, okay, talk to me about fuel efficiency and airbags and a car that will make me financially at peace, right? Like an Escalade with, oh, my gosh, your desires, they change. Your desires change. God gives you the desires of your heart, but not necessarily your heart today. We must have patience for the process. Same thing with planting a church, right? I feel like God told me that when we moved out here to Austin to do this. Everything in my life so far has been like one-year increments, like one year at a time in each grade, right? One year at that internship, one year on that mission trip, one year. One And, and I used to like just see, like, man, a year is such a long time. And I feel like I came out here and God was like, hey, buddy, you have no problem dreaming big. You have no problem doing that. However, you do have an issue with seeing longer, and that's my challenge to you is to see longer because I can do anything. God can do anything if you give him enough time. It's just sometimes we lose patience for it staring at the little airplane or the person on the screen that marks our journey with him and we'll go God a year is so long 2 years is so long and the, the 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 one who was there before the beginning would say is it is it that long or do you need patience for for the process so that you can stay planted in a house so check out this verse this text. It's Psalm 92, 12 through 15. The righteous flourish like a palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. That's the church. Planted in the church. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. All of that because they planted themselves in the house of the Lord. My buddy Connor says that we love the idea of being called and sent, but the idea of being planted is a completely different story. Like we easily become revival chasers. Where's God moving? Where is it raining? I'm gonna, I'm gonna go there. But every revival ever has only started because a few Christians decided I'm going to plant myself right here and I'm going to pray for the rainstorm, right? I was thinking, man, like imagine if there were a bunch of plants that never decided to put roots down and they just chased rainstorms. I know how ridiculous this is, but just like imagine that. It's so weird because it's not the design because nourishment for plants actually doesn't come from falling rain, it comes from a fertile ground that absorbs the falling rain. Nourishment comes through roots, right? And this is the design that God laid out for us. He's saying, hey, the ground is the church. This is how I design my universe and my church to work. The ground is the church. It's always going to rain. There will be rainstorms everywhere. The question is, will you have roots so that you can tap into it, right? Will you... Plant yourself somewhere so that you can put roots down because there is, there is blessing, there are opportunities, there are memories, there is joy and peace and, and life to be found if you will tap into it. Can you put roots down? I feel like maybe you, like you might be saying, like I'm waiting on heaven to rain in my life, and maybe you came here today for me to tell you heaven might be waiting on you to put down roots in a house. Because there's joy, there's peace, there's everything you're looking for in the ground. What we need from you, what Austin needs from you, what the next generation needs from you, what you need from you is to plant yourself and get some roots to tap into it. And all my cards on the table, full disclosure, like I just, I I would love if that was here. I really would, I believe in this church that's why we're, we, we gave our lives to this. I believe in this. We love having you. Um, I believe the best is yet to come and always will be because we're not going anywhere. But there's a bigger part of my heart that's also like, hey, hey, I, I, but I really just want you to plant yourself somewhere, just Somewhere. And I know my generation, too. We are the nomadic generation, and that includes churches also. And that's, like, one of my favorite parts about our generation. It's one of my favorite parts. And there are seasons where God calls you to do that. But roots is where the nourishment you're looking for and the life you're looking for comes from. So eventually, whether it's here or there or there, Like, I want to see this city changed with all my heart. That is not going to happen because there are churches in this city. That's going to happen because the Christians in those churches decided to plant themselves in those churches. Be in this. Being around it is not the same thing as being in it. Like, I want you to flourish in your life, and I'm just telling you how he designed this to work. You flourish by being planted in it. We need patience for the process so that we can stay planted in the house. And wherever you plant yourself, if rain is scarce and the ground is dry, then pray for rain. And that'll lead me to my second point, and this one's short. Here it is, simply put, we need the prayers of the priesthood so that we can persevere. We need the prayers of the priesthood so that we, this church, can persevere. So first of all, uh, like here's, here's 1 Peter 2.9, it says this, this is Peter, he's saying, you are a chosen people, and then pay attention just right here, you are a royal priesthood. A holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. Peter's talking to you. You are the royal priesthood, not here to go to church, but here to, to be the church, here to shepherd and to lead and to mentor and to pour out and to buy in and contribute and run the play with us because we cannot do this without you. And I just, I want to just humbly come before you and ask you for your prayers for us. We're calling on the prayers of the priesthood um, because I know way too many stories of pastors who started well. Um, And in fact, you know, I'm not really impressed with people who can start things well anymore. It used to like, be the coolest thing to me. Wow, you started that? Like, it's cool. But what's amazing is when I see people finish well. And I've just seen too many pastors who started in love with Jesus and in love with the church and healthy and in love with people, and they, they did not finish that way. And I want to be a part of building a culture-changing church. But more than that, I have this vision of myself at 70 years old, healthier than I've ever been, more in love with Jesus than I've ever been. I still like to be around people. I still love to come to church. You know, and I just, to quote Ed Sheeran, I am well aware of certain things that can destroy a man like me, a person who does what I do. Temptations, anxiety, worry, criticism. Um, I'm not worried. I, I'm confident. Trust me. If I was worried, I wouldn't do. I wouldn't risk this. I wouldn't do this. I'm confident. But we just want to ask for your prayers. The prayers of the priesthood, because this is kind of like not a great reflection of what the New Covenant, New Testament church like should look like. In the Old Testament, it was all the people looking at the priest. The people looking at the priest, and then the priest goes to God on their behalf. But we live in a day and age where Jesus is back from the dead. This is New Testament, New Covenant. We are now the priests, the royal priesthood, all facing God together. We'll go to God on your behalf, and I just want to ask you, go to God on our behalf behalf, and please pray for us. Um, A lot of you do, and I'm so grateful for that. Andrew, this will be the third time I've pointed it out, and he probably hates this by now, and he doesn't do it for recognition, but he'll send me prayers all the time just on an email for the church, for my family, for me, and, and I don't read those and delete them. I read those, and then I save them in my inbox under a folder called Better at 70. And it means the world, Um, we're here because of prayers. I'm here because of prayers. I have self-awareness and God-awareness enough to understand that. We have no chance without them, and we're calling on the prayers of the priesthood, amen? All right, I love it. Finally, we need perspective to see the pendulum (laughs) so we don't miss the point. You're like, eventually you're gonna have to pick a new letter. I know. I know. I don't try to do peace. It just always happens that way. (laughs) We need perspective to see the pendulum so we don't miss the point. Well, what's the pendulum? You'll find out in a second. What's the point? Here's the point. 1 Corinthians 15.3. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins. What's next? What else? Oh, that's it. Okay. Of first importance, that Christ died for our sins. That's the message. That's what's sacred. That is, okay, in Christianity, in the, in the tiers, in the hierarchy of beliefs of Christianity, there is a first tier, and then there's a second tier, and then there's a third tier, and then there's a fourth tier, and all the tiers and all the stuff in them is important. However, there is one truth that is currently occupying that first tier and will only ever occupy it alone. And it's simply that of first importance that Christ Jesus died for our sins and then three days later he rose from the grave. This is the point. This is of first importance. This is the sacred message. The sacred message. And so Matt Chandler is a pastor in Dallas. He pastors the Village Church. And this was from like 10 years ago. He gave a sermon and, and told the story. And I, I just, I've never forgotten it. And it explains this concept of this pendulum so well. We need perspective to see this so that we don't miss the point. Okay? And so uh, there was a girl who showed up at the Village Church. And she, she was um, maybe in her mid-20s. And she grew up in a very, very, very religious home. I mean, you want to talk about somebody who needed religion rehab. From the time she was this tall, she was told, you have to wear a dress that covers your ankles in church or you won't go to heaven. Right? And so, shockingly, she rebelled against her faith when she graduated high school. And I tried to put as much sarcasm into the word shockingly as I could possibly fit into it. She rebelled, So a lot of our stories, it's my story, and then she found herself back at the church, and it was the village church, and she walked in, and Pastor Matt was preaching in a t-shirt and jeans, just like I'm doing right now, and she was like, man, something that, just seeing that set me free from something. She's like, man, you have no idea what, what I've come out of. You have no idea what the fact that you're wearing jeans and you're preaching the word of God, what that means to me. It was like this weight that that weighed her down her entire life just evaporated. She's like, I found my family. I found my family at this church. Then Easter came around. And Matt, for Easter, just decided, for fun, I'm going to wear a suit. Because why not? Because every once in a while, it's fun to look sharp, right? As long as I got my suit and tie, I'm going to... Leave it all on the pulpit today for Easter, right? Like, got to go Billy Graham on him sometimes. And so he's like, hey, I'm just going to wear my suit. So he's preaching on Easter, and he's in his suit. And this girl walks in, and she sees it, and it triggered something deep down in her soul that set something off and brought back everything. And she got, she got furious, and stood up and walked out of the church and then wrote Matt an email later that day saying, I can't believe that you did that. You have no idea my story and where I came from. You have no idea what this church did for me. This set me free. Seeing your dress code for blue jeans and a t-shirt, and then I show up on Easter, and you're wearing a suit. I won't be back. There's a lot of pain there. And Matt responded with a gracious email, and I'm sorry, so sorry for every, everything that's happened to you. Um, and then, and one thing I've been living by once again is sometimes the truth that offends your flesh is the same truth that awakens your soul. So with that said, this is what he said next. He said, hey, but just so you know, you have the same pride as your parents, you just have a different dress code. Same pride, different dress code. Do you see the pendulum here? This dress code, what's the solution? Oh, let's swing it over here to this dress code. Now I'm rehabbed. Except rehab actually has nothing to do with a dress code or a pendulum. But rather the pride behind the pendulum. If we can't see that from that perspective, we will absolutely miss the point, right? Same pride, different dress code. I've worked at four churches in the last 10 years, and I've heard no shortage of methodical critiques from people about, like, different methods on how you do church. And by the way, the message is sacred. The method is not. The message is sacred, in case you missed it. The method is not. And I've heard no shortage of critiques about methods. Even since working at Red Rocks, I can't tell you how many times I've had this conversation right here. Well, somebody will come up to me and say, lights and haze." really? Is this a concert? Or is this about God? I don't remember lights and haze being in the Acts 2 church. I'm like, well, if they had electricity, (laughs) maybe they would have had it. (laughs) I don't care about lights. And I'd say, well, it kind of seems like you do. It kind of seems like you have a stronger opinion about lights and haze than anybody else in this room. It's just a method. It's just a method, and it might change, and man, you can come up. It might change in a few years. It might change 10 years from now, 20 years from now. We're married to the message. We are dating, however, the method. Right now, it's just like, hey, this is, we, we want to give an excellent God as much of our excellence as we can, and so this is how we do that, from a, like the goodness of our hearts. It's just a method we enjoy. When we were, before January, when we planted this church, we had the privilege of getting to drive around to, uh, and attend 24 different churches in Austin. And we, it was a, an unbelievable opportunity to experience 24 very different and beautiful methods on delivering a sacred message to people. And it was so cool to see all the different ways of doing it. It's like, hey, just here at Red Rocks, we have a method that we just love and we believe in. And so we're just going to keep doing that, but that doesn't mean the other ones are, are bad, right? It's not a, a pendulum swing from method to method. If you see that, you're missing the point. The point is, can you, can, you, can you get away from the pride behind the pendulum swing? So you can go to that church and you can hear a sacred message. And through that method over there, you can hear the same sacred message. And with those people over there who do it that way, I can hear the same sacred message of first importance that Christ Jesus was crucified for my sins, and then three days later, he rose again. This is the gospel. This is the good news. This is what I want to build bridges with, with other churches. Man, if I have the opportunity just to have any kind of impact in Christianity at all, a small footprint, it will be unity between churches. That is my heartbeat. That is, that is, what gets me out of bed in the morning, that is my passion for the church is unifying the church because of a first importance, first tier issue that will only ever be that, the gospel, that Christ was crucified and three days later he rose again. And I'm going to take that and I want to build bridges with that, not build barriers with, with, with tiers two through infinity, Right? Like, I'm not saying these aren't important. We'll get to them. We'll talk about them, but in relationship, not social media. We're going to build bridges with the gospel. We need the perspective, you guys. How much religion rehab is needed because people think it's a pendulum swing when really pride is what keeps you stuck in this. We need methods, absolutely. Just find one that you love and that you believe in. And no method is perfect. No church is perfect. And if you show up to any church looking for something to critique, you will always, always, always find it, especially here. The perfect church does not exist. Does not exist. I just need perspective to see that. It's not a method, it's a message. It's not a pendulum, it's it's the point. The first tier of first importance, Jesus Christ. And so... Man, I have visions though of this church 10 years from now. I have visions of seeing this community. And by the way, um, 10 years from now, my biggest answered prayer won't be dependent on how many people are coming or if we have a building or not or, or whatever it is. Like if I can look around and I can see some of these faces, that's my biggest answer prayer. Because you understand this is a process and requires patience. Building community, my gosh, ain't for the faint of heart. We're all imperfect. There's a reason the Bible says, hey, bear with one another in love. Give each other the benefit of the doubt in love. Assume the best in people. Be difficult to offend. Have a soft heart that likes people. Fight for that. There's a reason the Bible says that. Because what we're doing here is not easy. However, it is the hope of the world. And I have visions of seeing a church, our church, Red Rocks Austin, 10 years from now, authentic, humble, unified, and generous. If you're new around here, those are the four pillars of our church. And it's an acronym that spells out a hug, A-H-U-G. Don't you just feel like I just hugged you? Even saying those four things, authenticity, church, humility, unity, and generosity. But here's the thing, full circle, that's a dream, right? The only way that's going to be a destination one day is if that's our direction now, regardless of our dream. Same thing for you, like healed and whole. These are my dreams. This is how I see myself. It's a great dream. The only way it's going to be a destination is if that's your direction right now. And your daily decisions is what determines your direction, right? In other words, so authenticity. Oh, we dream of an authentic church. But if right here, right now, we can't be real and don't fight for community and aren't willing to be weak when we show up, then dream doesn't matter. Direction trumps dreams every time. Oh, but a humble church, God, when people look at Red Rocks Austin, they'd see people marked by humility. What a dream. But if our direction now is, I'll never serve and our method is better, then the dream does not matter because direction trumps the dream every time. I'll keep going, unity, oh, a unified church one day, absolutely, I can see it, so possible, but if our direction right now is, hey, critique with no buy-in, or I'm going to build barriers with tiers two through infinity, right, then the dream doesn't matter, direction trumps dream every single time, and finally, a generous church. Even if you feel that in your own life, I wanna, I wanna one day be generous with the, with the lots and lots and lots that God gives me. It's a great dream, but if you're not generous with the little that you have right now, your dream doesn't really matter. It's your direction that trumps your dream every single time. Let your dream motivate you. Let your daily decisions determine your direction and let that direction bring you to a destination where the destination and the dream become one and the same. So man, I believe that can happen here. I wanna do it with you guys. I wanna keep rehabbing religion. I want my little guy to grow up in a church where he just loves people and loves Jesus and is not burned. I wanna have patience in the process with you guys I want to plant myself in this church and feel how amazing it can be to actually let roots go down. Sometimes we're afraid to do that because we're like, I'm going to miss out on memories or opportunities elsewhere. You know when you put roots down, you experience no shortage of either of those things. Calling on the the prayers of the priesthood, the royal priesthood, We'll go to God for you, you go to God for us, we'll go to God for each other. In this together. And never lose perspective on the pendulum. Never build barriers. Never, don't die on hills not worth dying on. When out there, they're falling apart. While we're trying to to fight over this, Man, I want Austin to look at this church and see a city on a hill, authentic, humble, unified, and generous. What's of first importance is what we are marked by, and it's felt when you walk into this space so people can continue to come and experience God prodigals who are far from God can have a front porch and see us welcoming them home except this time we have something to offer that's not going to require them more religion rehab in the future it's the answer it's Jesus it's of first importance that Jesus was crucified for my sins and three days later he rose again amen Jesus was crucified for my sins and three days later he rose again amen Jesus was crucified for my sins, and three days later, he rose again. Amen? One more time. There we go. Of first importance, and we build bridges with that. So, church, will you stand?